So join me in reading the word of the Lord and open to your Bibles to our two scripture verses, Acts chapter one, verses one through eight, and Luke 24, verses, 11, verses 44 through 49. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at the time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Austin. I'm part of the pastoral staff team here at Reality Boston, and it's just a pleasure and a privilege to be able to share with you this morning from God's word. And so we're continuing in our sermon series through the season of Eastertide, which we've been in since Easter Sunday, um, looking at the resurrection appearances of Jesus. And we've seen that although the resurrection is a historical event from many, many years ago, it continues to matter and have implications today. And that it leaves behind itself this, this culture and all these, these side effects that like continue to shape the way that we live as people of the resurrection, as people who are formed by this resurrection life. And so we've seen, if you've been following along in our series, that um, it, the resurrection culture is marked by peace, by hope and joy, by reconciliation, by the presence of Jesus with us, by his provision, by the absence of shame. And so we're gonna continue this morning looking at the threads of this resurrection culture. And as we come to our text, we have just the last appearance of Jesus post-resurrection and pre-ascension. We're gonna see that what Jesus does is he adds kind of a missional edge to this resurrection culture. He kind of clarifies the purpose and the mission of his followers who are part of this culture. So um, we're gonna dive into that this morning and not surprisingly, this what Jesus teaches his disciples today, it doesn't necessarily take the shape that they had expected. 
And so we come, so we have the, our text this morning is from both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And so just to orient ourselves, the Luke and Acts are kind of two volumes of the same work. And so Luke is the first book and then Acts is the sequel. And they're both written by Luke, who bears the name of the gospel. Um, and so where he picks up, it's not surprising in Acts that he picks up where he left off at the end of Luke. And so there's a bit of overlap to the stories that we read this morning. And so we're going to spend most of our time in Acts, but we're going to hit, hit Luke a little bit as well. And so if you would, read with me just the first two verses in Acts. Luke says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. And so Luke gives some major insight into the early Christians' understanding of, of who Jesus was and what he was doing. When he says that in the first book, in the Gospel of Luke, he, he talked about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. He's implying that Jesus' work is still continuing, even beyond the Gospel story. And so Jesus' work, it doesn't end at the crucifixion. It didn't end with the resurrection. And surprisingly, we see here that it actually doesn't even end with the ascension. It doesn't end when he returns to the Father. So clearly, Jesus is going to have to be at work in a new way. And we, we're going to see this morning that that way is very different, obviously, than the way that he did things in the flesh. But for Jesus, leaving isn't abandoning. Yes, he's leaving. Yes, he's returning to the Father. But he's not abandoning his followers. He's going to continue to work and be present, but just in a new way way. And so N.T. Wright, in his commentary on Acts, he introduces it like this. He says, Acts is all about what Jesus is continuing to do and to teach. The mysterious presence of Jesus haunts the whole story. He is announced as King and Lord, not as an increasingly distant memory, but as a living and powerful reality, a person who can be known and loved, obeyed and followed, a person who continues to act within the real world. So Jesus is leaving, it doesn't mean he's done working. But if you're reading this, you know, if you're Theophilus who's reading this for the first time, or if you're the disciples in that moment, you have to be wondering, like, how is this gonna work? Like, that's just not how things are. Like, once you leave, you leave. And so Jesus, uh, he's gonna continue to work in this new way. And so Luke clarifies how, can it, how it can be that he leaves physically, but continues to work. And so we see, in Acts 4 and 5, or in, Act, in verses 4 and 5, Luke tells us that on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this overlaps with Luke 24, verse 49, where Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so Jesus, he reminds them of the promise of God and the, the things that he had talked about while he was with them before his death, that God had promised through the Old Testament, through his prophets, that one day he would pour out his spirit upon all of his people. And Jesus had talked about this too um, in, on a variety of times with his disciples. And so we see that, that this new way that Jesus is going to be at work is through the Holy Spirit. 
and that God is keeping his promise that he had made to them all along. And so we can't go too deep into the Spirit today. We have Pentecost next week. We're, we'll save some of that for then, but we have to pause here for a moment and notice that the Spirit is the new means or part of the new means by which Jesus will continue to work and to teach in the world. And I don't know about you, but for me, as I think about this and try to put myself in the scene, like, I kind of have to think, like, it doesn't seem like the best plan. Like, it seems a little bit crazy that Jesus is going to leave and he's going to do this crazy new work and he's going to entrust it to, like, to people like us. Like, I don't know, like, I think there's probably a better plan. Like, I, I kind of think, like, maybe, Jesus, you should stick around and you can continue to do your thing and, like, we'll still hang out with you. We'll still be here. But, like, you should kind of continue to take this work yourself. Like, this doesn't seem like a great idea. I think that would be pretty convincing instead. But Jesus, um, it's not the first time he's told them this. Back in, back in John 16, before his crucifixion, he tells the disciples that he's going he's gonna to return to the Father. Like, he's going to ascend, but that this is actually better. Uh, in verse 7 of John 16, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Like, it's better that you go away? Like, can that really be true? Like, are you saying, is this a joke? I don't know. It just seems like, it seems impossible to wrap your head around. And I feel like disciples must have felt this way. The text says that there was sorrow in their heart when he said this to them. And I don't know, it makes sense that they're just like, if they find this hard to believe, they're doubting that Jesus really knows what's best. And I know I can feel like this, and you probably can too, like doubting that Jesus really knows what's best. Not just in this scenario, but even in our present day, like Jesus, do you really know what you're doing? Like, is this really what's best? Because like, this is certainly not the way I would have drawn this up. And I can think like, man, maybe my plan is even better than God's plan. But Jesus' invitation to us here is to trust him, that he knows what he's doing, and he's confident that, that he has the right way. And that in this situation, it is indeed better that he go away and that he empower his followers with the Spirit. And so it turns out that leaving for Jesus, is, instead of abandoning his people and being the end of his work, it's just the beginning of a new way and a new body through which he's going to continue his work. It's no longer through his physical presence, but through the body of believers, the church, empowered by the Spirit to continue the work after he's gone. And his disciples, they have to be realizing in this moment that once again, he's got this crazy plan that he's going to enact upon. And they're like, you just did this to us. Like, are you really going to do this thing again? Like, why can't it be the way that we think it's going to be? And they even ask him in verse 6, like, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, are you finally going to meet some of the expectations that we have? Like, they're expecting, you know, the restoration of the kingdom to be overthrowing Rome and to overthrow those Jewish leaders who had put him to death. And Jesus says, and they're still expecting something in line with their own hopes, their own aspirations. But Jesus tells them, it's not for them to know the times and the seasons appointed by the Father. They don't have the privilege of knowing where they are on God's like cosmic calendar. But he is indeed doing this very thing that they want him to do. He is restoring 
the kingdom. He is breaking in with this resurrection kingdom, this resurrection culture. It just doesn't look the way that they think it's going to. Instead of the things that they're imagining this kingdom and this resurrection looking like, he says, he tells them it's going to look totally different. And what it looks like is what he says in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the kingdom vision, it's clarified. The resurrection culture is given a mission. This is the new way that Jesus is going to continue to work and to teach even after he's gone. It's through his spirit-empowered followers bearing witness to him. His people are his method. His followers are his means. And this is the story of the book of Acts. If you were to keep reading, it's the story of Jesus' continued work through his people. And this is the story of the beyond the book of Acts and the history of the church for the last 2,000 years and beyond. Jesus is continuing to work through his followers. But we have to pause here and note that this mission, it's not just for, it's not just for a select few. It's for everyone. It's not just for a special class of people, the professional religious people, or a special religious caste, but it's for everyone. It's for everyone who is a disciple of Jesus, everyone who follows him in faith, everyone who says Jesus is Lord. Jesus has chosen to continue his work through all of his followers. And this idea that we're all called to mission, that we're all called to be a part of this work, it's nothing new. You can go back 500 years to the time of the Reformation when Martin Luther and his contemporaries, they say this in kind of a fresh way. They call it the priesthood of all believers. And it's the idea that all of Jesus's believe, all the believers, all of Jesus's followers are priests or ministers who mediate the presence of, of God to the world. But they pick it up. They don't make it up themselves either. They pick it up from the New Testament. And it's all throughout the New Testament, perhaps most clearly in 1 Peter, when Peter, who's one of Jesus's closest companions during his life, he's writing to church members scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And he tells them, all of them, not just the church leaders, but all of them, that they are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Why? So they may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is mission for all. It's all hands on deck. And if the New Testament's not enough, I mean, we can go back further, 1,500 more years to the time of the Exodus, when God leads his people out of bondage in Egypt. He brings them through the sea and into freedom. And in Exodus 19, he tells them, he says, you will be a kingdom of priests. He's not talking just to Moses or just to the Levites who are vocationally priests. He's talking to the whole nation. He tells them all that they will be a kingdom of priests, that they're going to mediate his presence to the world. Why? So that God's name will be proclaimed in all the earth. And so this commission that Jesus gives his followers in our text in Acts, it's, it's actually not something that's totally new. It's just a further clarification of God's plan all along that all of his people would proclaim him, that it wouldn't just be the work of the few, but it'd be with, it would be a work of all. And what's changed here, or what's further made known is that the responsibility and the full weight isn't on the people themselves. 
that they now have the Spirit empowering them, the very presence of Jesus with them to do the work. This is the mission and the purpose of all who are part of this resurrection culture. Our lives and our stories and the story of God's faithfulness in the gospel, these are the means by which we represent Jesus to the world around us. And people have to see our lives and to hear our stories and to hear the gospel story. This is the way that people encounter Jesus, through ordinary people like you and me. This is the way that he's present to the world, not through his physical bodily presence, but through the whole body of believers. And so the kingdom of God, it advances through words and through deeds as we live the good news, as we proclaim the good news, as we live it out in our front lines, in our homes and in our workplaces and with our friends, we live out this gospel message and proclaim that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus continues to work. And it's thrilling. It's a thrilling mission that we all get to be a part of. Like none of us are left on the sidelines. We're all in the game. Like none of us spends the whole season riding the bench. But at the same time, like there's a weight that comes with it, right? There's a weight of responsibility. Like it, it can be heavy to be in the game, right? You don't want to miss the last shot. You don't want to be the one who turns the ball over. And it's right to feel like the weight and the heaviness of that. And that's when we go back and we remember the very first thing that Luke told us at the beginning, and that this is Jesus's work. It's Jesus's work. Yes, he involves us in it. Yes, he empowers us to do it. But at the end of the day, it's Jesus's work. And I know I can fall into the trap of feeling like, oh, this is all on me. Like, I better not blow this. Like, I got to get this right. And like, yes, there's something good to being prepared and being ready. But at the end of the day, the responsibility lands with God. And so we'll close just by looking at 1 Corinthians. And this is the words of Paul, who perhaps did more for Jesus than anybody ever has. You know, you could probably make that argument. And he's reflecting on his ministry. And part of his reflections are that in the end, it wasn't up to him. Read with me in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I planted and Apollos, my coworker, watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. In the end, we're dependent upon God to do the work of transformation in the lives of people and in our communities and in our world. We can't affect transformation any more than we can make a plant to grow. Like, yes, we can create those conditions, right? Like we can plant a seed, we can give it water, we can make sure it gets in the sunlight. But at the end of the day, we can't transform our world and transform the lives of people any more than we can make a plant grow. That's God's responsibility. But Jesus invites us to be a part of his work in a very meaningful and powerful way. He invites us to be partners with him in his work of redemption in all the world. He makes us stakeholders, all of us, in this work that he is doing. And so Jesus' invitation to us as those who are part of this resurrection culture and have been caught up in this resurrection way of life, his invitation is to find our purpose in the work that he's already doing in all of the world through all of us. Amen.